Hello, friends. We're back with episode 88. Oh, that's a nice number of your favorite Art Weekly Highlights podcast. My name is Eric Nance, and as always, I'm so happy you joined us listening from wherever you are around the world. And of course, I never do this alone anymore. Let me introduce my supremely awesome co-host who never has a shortage of opinions on all things are Mike Thomas. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm jam-packed, ready to go with this. Um, <laughs> this is uh, the eve of my uh, kids' first day of school is starting tomorrow, so that means a little bit of normalcy is coming back. So what better way to prepare than to do an awesome podcast? So we're going to hit the ground running here today. And our issue this week was curated by Batul Almerzak, who has been very kind enough to pitch in for me actually earlier this year as I was in my uh, mad scramble to prepare a little workshop that I did a couple of weeks ago. But of course, my immense thanks to Batul. And of course, she had great help from all of our Art Weekly team members and contributors around the world, like all of you listening. So let's get right into it, shall we? And we had no shortage of things to talk about with a recent conference that happened a couple of weeks ago that we'll revisit later in this episode. But we cannot forget about the OG of our conferences. And this past week, the USAR 2022 conference recordings have all been posted on the USAR conference YouTube channel. Again, an awesome benefit of having these virtual events. You get the recordings fairly quickly, and now we can all retrospectively attend what we missed. So as usual with previous USAR conferences, we have a wide variety of topics explored with an emphasis on research, application, and emerging technologies across the whole R ecosystem and data science. And I haven't nearly gone through all of them yet, but as you all know, I find creative ways of listening to these in my uh, spare moments. But there are a few th themes I'm particularly interested in, such as the containerization and metaprogramming track, where our good friend of the show, Peter Salamos, had a terrific talk that we touched on in a previous episode, which I'll, I'll be able to actually see the recording of. The Web Frameworks track, where John Kuhn is highlighting his Ambiorix package, which I've had my eye on. And as an HPC geek, so to speak, I always see new things I can learn from the Parallel Computing track. And I see that Henrik Bengtsson, the author of the Future Package in that ecosystem, has a great talk on there as well. So I'm going to have a lot of things to listen to and watch from the talks themselves. But do not forget about the tutorials playlist. This is full of very comprehensive workshops to level up your knowledge across statistical modeling, Docker containers, and much more. So I see a few of them already that are definitely not short, but I think they're going to be very helpful to boost up a couple of the areas that I want to get more proficient in lately. And certainly I am keenly interested in some of the containerization tutorials because I think that is the wave of the future, especially in my workflow across my R projects at the day job and as well as my personal efforts. So yeah, you got a lot to watch out there, but I think it's going to be a lot of great content for you to dive through. Well, these videos are an absolute gold mine um, now that they're up on YouTube. How lucky we are that the folks who put on the USAR conference you know, took the time to record these and make these videos available to the public. And it's not just short talks that are posted. There are entire workshops that are like four and five hours long up there on YouTube that are just 
phenomenal resources. I just kicked one off uh, before we hopped on to record today, and I started watching the Docker for our users tutorial by Rami Crispin, who posts a ton of great content on LinkedIn, at least I follow him on there, and Rahul Sengal. And this is a great, great tutorial so far. I've only watched about 40 minutes, and I think it's about four hours long. So I'll have to come back next week and uh, give the, the final review. And I have maybe a weird confession to make, but I have developed and deployed Docker on cloud instances many, many times, just using the command line interface um, on that Linux box for building images and deploying containers, but I have never done so locally. So I have a goal of learning how to do this locally with Docker Desktop and VS Code. And I think this workshop, plus maybe a, a past live stream by a podcast co-host of mine, can help get me there. Um, other workshops I saw were for geospatial analysis in R. Uh, I think somebody from Voltron Data was there uh, giving a workshop on using the Arrow package and so, so much more. One thing that I saw was pretty interesting about this conference and, and unique uh, was that there was a hybrid in terms of language. Some talks were in English, others were in Spanish, uh, French, and I believe even a couple other languages as well, and I thought that this was really inclusive uh, in terms of giving you know non-native English-speaking R users a chance to learn this content in their native language. Because as we know, there are people in all corners of the world who are using and developing R, and I think it's great that we are able to sort of diversify the content that we are uh, presenting to these audiences. That's always been a really nice benefit of USAR in general. And again, it gets to kind of the, the history of this event and the history of how R itself was formed. Worldwide contributors, worldwide, you know, practitioners and the ability to be able to have, you know, uh, accessible talks and accessible workshops for the, for the different languages out there, I think is a huge step into making R itself obviously way more accessible to the worldwide audience that it came from. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that too. And it's just amazing the volume of content here. I mean, we are definitely spoiled by having all this freely available, but hey, I'll take it. I'm not going to refuse it. So like you, I, I think I watched the first half hour of that containerization tutorial, but I'm definitely going to pile through the rest of it because even a quote unquote seasoned Docker person like I am, Whenever I see these these different ways of instilling these concepts, it helps me be able to teach it more effectively to other colleagues in the future to see what approaches that might be taken by others like Rami here. So I'm I'm really impressed to to see what whatever material is on there. And yeah, I'm really excited to dive into the rest, hopefully soon. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it and it was great from a an accessibility standpoint to have that multi-language format. And speaking of accessibility, I think you set us up for a great transition. You got the memo on segues, my friend. Perfectly done. <laughs> yes. And also, I always love it when we get a healthy dose of continuity and callbacks on this Highlights podcast. So this is a mere coincidence. But going back to the last issue I personally curated on May 2nd of this year, and we discussed on episode 76, we got our first look at an innovative tool from the consulting firm Jumping Rivers called Diffify. 
where you can compare different versions of a given R package in a very clean and intuitive web UI to easily pinpoint what's changed in, the, in between the versions. And like many of us who have built tools of a web-based front end, it's never just about the magic performed on the back end, but it's also important to give the users a smooth experience when they're both viewing and actually using that application. And so our second highlight today is a continuation of the journey that they've been on to provide an accessible theme and user experience for Diffify. So Tim Brock from Jumping Rivers has authored a blog post with part two of this effort, where first he discusses how a new choice of a few pre-configured themes is available in a simple dropdown at the top of the Diffify interface, which gives multiple users a chance to tailor a different visual experience to their session, obviously opening the doors for those who may have a color deficiency or other impairment to easily see the widgets, you know, uh, demonstration of what's changed between package versions. And the tech behind this is mainly a few snippets of JavaScript with some dynamic CSS styling powered by SAS. That's the SAS with two S's at the end, hint, hint. But that should sound familiar if you've been up to date with the latest happenings of Shiny, because this is the same paradigm that's used by the BS Lib package to offer dynamic theming a Shiny app. So it's great to see kind of the fundamentals of this tech used in different places. And of course, this all came from web development. So it's very seamless for Tim and the others at Jumping Rivers to feed in this functionality using such a powerful framework. And then Tim concludes with how they tested the various themes using built-in tooling, like the Chrome web tools that are right within your Chrome browser and other things like the Lighthouse framework to assess how contrast is impacted by the different themes and other details. Now, personally, this is, a de this is definitely an area I wanna spend more time on, especially if I do another version of my Prod Shiny Apps workshop, because in the beginning of my web development journey, which again is mostly focused on Shiny App development, I had no prior experience using any of the tools available to assess important issues and trade-offs between what at that time seemed like a simple choice of like, I'm just going to pick this color palette because it looks good. It's much more than that. And I've gotten a much bigger appreciation in, in researching for my workshop, but also posts like what Tim writes here, that this is not like some mysterious effort that you have to go on with a whole bunch of magical proprietary software to assess these issues, you have them literally built into your browser. So that's a quick win for those of us that are starting this journey and the capabilities we're developing. And speaking of callbacks, if you haven't noticed already, every issue of our weekly from, the, from a few weeks ago and on is actually using Diffify in the updated packages section. So you can not just see that a given package has been updated, but we give you a convenient link to view those changes in Diffify itself. So credit to Jumping Rivers are actually enhancing the R Weekly experience as well with this powerful tool that now has had an even more renewed emphasis on accessibility. So thumbs up for my end on this. But Mike, what are your thoughts on what the enhancements have been made to Diffify? 
Sure. So I just first want to point out that SAS with two S's is the only SAS we talk about on this podcast, at least the only one we talk about positively. Uh, this is a topic that I feel doesn't get quite enough attention um, and, and something that I always try to remember when crafting a data viz or a shiny app that is going to reach an audience beyond myself to ensure that it's you know consumable and accessible by, by that audience. And we have so many tools available nowadays to help make our apps and visualizations more friendly to a larger audience. Um, I think there's a statistic out there that like, around 10% of males are red, green, colorblind. So if you're in a meeting or an audience with, with 10 men, you're likely to have one who can't see your cool red and green, you know, fuel gauge that represents good and bad. Um, God forbid we make one of those. Uh, so use, <laughs> use the, use the Veritas palette. Um, there are plenty of functions in ggplot2 and friends that do this for you. Um, and the browser add-in by Jumping Rivers that they provide reminds me a lot of the BSLib package that allows you to add a toggle at the top of your Shiny app for light and dark themes. So users can switch back and forth um, just in case you didn't know that that exists. And you can actually fully customize the CSS or the SAS for, for each of those, uh, the light and the dark, which I thought, um, I don't know, this, this blog sort of reminded me of that. So maybe that's a cool nugget for somebody out there who um, is looking for something like that but hasn't hasn't tried it yet. So great work from Jumping Rivers as always. Love to see their name in the blog post. Uh, they, they do awesome work. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting a few of them at our City Conf a couple of weeks ago. So I was personally able to thank them for giving us some great content to talk about and got a little uh, sticker swag as a result. So, you know, it never hurts to get some more stickers out there, right? <laughs> but yeah, I'm really impressed with the work they're doing. And again, here learning about the process um, it is excellent here. So kudos to them. And rounding out our highlights today, as I mentioned at the top, we are revisiting the recently completed RStudio Conf with another excellent recap of the video variety. So Ellis Hughes, co-host of one of my favorite R-focused video series called Tidy X, and fellow data scientist in the life sciences space, has recorded his key takeaways and opinions on his entire RStudioConf experience. And so like our episode of our weekly highlights last week, Alice first talks about his key um, opinions on the recent rebranding of our studio deposit. And he sees that as a positive move, much like how Mike and I discussed here last week. And he was also blown away just like I was at Joe Chang's keynote with the big announcements in the shiny space, as well as frankly, the emotional roller coaster that we did not expect to be on. So again, I won't spoil for all of you that didn't see it live because when the recording comes out, you need to watch that from start to finish. It is must see viewing, if I dare say so myself, of course. Now, Ellis, uh, he's very humble about this, but he was pulling double duty at this conference. He was actually helping teach the clinical reporting in our workshop and he gave a spectacular talk on building internal R packages with an increased focus on the process of doing this within an enterprise environment using real case studies and really awesome analogies that if you're a fan of cars, you'll really like his talk. I won't say much more, but it was, it was definitely fun, fun, relatable material. 
Now I must say, after my workshop, I was completely gassed. So credit to him to be able to pull off a, a double duty effort there. And to be honest, I'm also very appreciative of TidyX itself. So when I saw Ellis multiple times at, at the conference, I was very quick to say thank to him and Patrick for building TidyX. And also I was able to relay to him how a few awesome episodes on how they use Shiny with databases literally supercharge my workshop. So it's always great when you're able to pay it forward, so to speak, and thank the people that have greatly benefited your work or your content or whatever you're building. So we had some great discussions on that. Always fun to talk shop with, with Ellis in many ways. So a great recap. It's not very, you know, it's not too long. This is easy, easy viewing, easy listening, but it was great to see his take on a few things that definitely were quite similar to what we've been talking about here. But yeah, Mike, more our studio conf recast. What did you think about Ellis's take on this? I thought it was great. I like uh, the, the mix this week of some blogs and, and some video content. And I appreciated Ellis kind of summing up his experience, uh, you know, through his, his eyes at our studio conf. I think it was, it was similar to, to my experience as well. I was so blown away by uh, Joe Chang's keynote. It was really moving. Um, before I had a daughter, I'd never cried. And I'm not going to say that I cried during Joe's keynote, but we might have got a little close. Um, he said that the secret sauce behind Shiny essentially came into his head the second he woke up on the day he was supposed to quit at our studio. So I know I just spoiled it. You need to go back and watch it. But so thankful for Joe. Thankful for him sharing that story with us. And Joe gave a gigantic shout out to none other than the best podcast co-host out there. Mr. Eric Nance, for everything, thanking you for everything that you have done for the community to promote Shiny. And I share that sentiment. I think that's the reason that Shiny has exploded in popularity in the last two or three years. I'm not sure if it would have otherwise. Um, so, so thank you to you as well. And I think it was well-deserved praise to the, you know, the big audience at our studio conf. I'm very excited, you know, like the use our conf. I'm very excited to see some of these videos start to drop a uh, lot, a lot of FOMO for the folks that were, I have a lot of FOMO having missed out, but jealous of the folks like you were, who were actually got to be there in person, but excited to see, uh, some of the content in videos afterwards for the stuff that I missed. Cause there was, there was too much to too much to view virtually, just like I'm sure there was too much to see, even if you you were there simultaneously. You're exactly so right. Be, yep, it'll be great to uh, to watch it all back. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's so much going on at once, but yeah, it was a it was a great experience. I fully appreciate you know what Joe had said and completely out of left field. That was you didn't have to do that, but certainly a, a passion project of mine is, is always great to see it benefits others. And like I said, with Ellis's work with TidyX, it's great that people are putting this out there for free for us to benefit from. So having a chance to thank him in person was definitely a, a highlight for me to say the least. So great recap. And again, as promised in the not too distant future, I'll have a lot more tangible uh, recaps from my end. Once I fix my little uh, streaming box, for those of you that know I'm a geek with Linux, I literally just nuke and pave the entire thing. So I'm building it all up from scratch. But luckily, our weekly highlights still work. So got mission accomplished there. 
And speaking of mission accomplished, well, another fantastic issue, right? And there's always more than just what we talk about in the highlight section. So we're going to plug a couple things that caught our eye. And for, for me, um, as someone who's trying to level up my visualization game and not just like the code itself, but the fundamental choices I make, like I mentioned with color palette choices and the like, well, you can't, you, you've got an excellent resource at your fingertips now, everybody, because Claus Wilk, who has been a very key thought leader in this space for years, has published Fundamentals of Data Visualization available for free online and also in print with the O'Reilly publisher. So we'll have a link to this in the show notes. It's very easy to find, um, but I can't wait to dive into this more to really get into, you know, it's not just saying the theory, but it's also kind of the, the thought process of creating effective visualization, which is a medium that touches almost every customer you would communicate a data science result with. So Kudos to Claus for putting this out there, and I can't wait to read this more fully. Well, Mike, what did you find? So I found a blog post titled R is for Actuaries, um, Actuaries Working in the in Insurance Industry, which I, I haven't seen a ton of content geared, uh, you know, R content geared towards the insurance industry. It was written by Dr. Maria Pro Prokofiva. I apologize there on the R, R Studio community blog. And then it was sort of reposted by the R Consortium, which is, I think, where we picked it up on R Weekly. And I think that uh, R is really, really well suited for actuarial work. I know sort of a lot of techniques, modeling techniques in, in the actuary profession sort of predate data science. And I remember listening to an awesome podcast um, where JD Long, Hugo Bound Anderson about uh, the intersection of data scientists at insurance companies working together with actuaries and sort of how powerful of a combination that was um, because there's so much domain knowledge uh, that these actuaries have. And then obviously data scientists are trying to stay on top of the latest and greatest techniques. And if you, you put that together, I think you can do some pretty impactful work in the insurance space. But uh, Maria's blog is, is fantastic. She's got a, a bunch of R code in there for doing some basic um, actuarial modeling and, and data visualization that I definitely think is worth checking out if you're interested in that space. Absolutely. And actually fun mini story time here, but way back in my earlier years when I was in high school thinking about what kind of thing I wanted to study in college, there are a lot of people that said, Eric, you'd be good at being an actuary. And I had absolutely no idea what that was. Now I obviously do. And it's great to see that if I ever have a huge, <laughs> huge reason to pivot, that if I wanted to go on the actuarial side, I get to use my favorite language still. So, <laughs> yep. So that was fun little uh, memory um, coming back as you were talking through that. But it just goes to show you that with statistical computing, you can use it in just about any field you can think of. So Actuaries, get your R on. There's a lot of great content out there for sure. Speaking of content, well, it never stops with just this issue. You got to look at that back catalog too. It's all at rweekly.org. If you uh, missed out on any of the previous weeks, you can find all of them right linked in the all section. And certainly we keep those pull requests coming. We greatly appreciate it. Efforts are on the way to make that even easier again. So we've starting to build up a little bit of the internal tooling bit by bit, as we've been referencing for a few months already. 
And also, please keep the positive feedback coming on what you like in this podcast series. Anything that we can improve on, please get in touch with us. We'd be glad uh, to take your feedback and make the show even better. But speaking of getting in touch, you know, Mike, they always want to know what you're up to, man. So where can they find you online? I don't know about that, but you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Ketchbrook, K-E-T-C-H-B-R-O-O-K. Yes, very good. I am at the RCAS. I'm slowly getting my energy back after the RCDO Conf experience. So I'm starting to put in little things out there here and there. And um, hopefully I'll be able to share some new content with all of you once I fix my little uh, little streaming box here to get back into that game a little bit. But yeah, that'll do it for us. Episode 88 is now in the books. And we will see you for another edition of our weekly highlights next week. <laughs>